you're going to be a mess and you're going to get embarrassed and you're going to make mistakes. And that's the steps about opening up that which is unknown to you in the world of growth and progress. If you're going to step out, you're going to have to expect the pushback, right? In a material space, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And they should actually gauge their progression by the amount of pushback right. that they're receiving. They could use that. In other words, when things keep blocking you, they're a good teacher because they're giving you a consistent opportunity to learn the lesson of how to get through the blockages. That's Guru Singh, and this is The Ritual Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey everybody, how you guys doing? What's happening? My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. This is my podcast. Welcome to the show. Today, today marks the first Guru Corner edition of 2019 featuring, you know who, my favorite wizard of the mystical forces and the spiritual arts, master of kundalini yoga, mindfulness, and basically just general holistic awesomeness, Guru Singh. Many of you are familiar with this man and his work, so I'm going to dispense with the long introduction, uh, but I do encourage you to listen to our previous conversations. He's been on episode 267, 332, 368, 400. I feel like there might be one or two more in there. Maybe not. In any event, uh, I love this man. I love today's conversation, which is all about living your authentic self, your true self. Uh, but first, let's take care of a little business. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, 
it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made. And that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive, and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily, personally, for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now, for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. Okay, Guru Corner, Guru Singh. Today, we're going to talk about the journey to connecting with, expressing, embodying, uh, manifesting, what else? Cultivating, personifying, uh, imbuing, radiating, exuding. All right, you get the picture. Your true self in a world that values conformity. And I know this is a bit of a woo-woo concept, but I think it's also not only incredibly important, but very relatable. Important in the sense that we live in this culture in which we all wear masks, we comport to certain standards about what we should do, how we should act. Uh, We live in a society in which so many people live disconnected lives in isolation and loneliness lives led not from not from a place of necessarily personal or, or or mindful agency but rather in reaction to in reaction to external expectations external pressures and my personal experience is that not living one's authentic self not pursuing the things that that truly make us happy, not living the lives that that we want to lead, that our instincts and our impulses are 
are sort of driving us towards leading, well, that can and and ultimately will manifest a whole litany of problems mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So this is about finding a way out. It's a beautiful conversation with a beautiful man that uh, I think is very much needed right now. So let's have it. Good to see you. It's good to see you. I'm super excited to reprise our Guru Corner sessions. It is a joy. And, you know, in watching them, I noticed that you not only have a, a, a strong sense of where the conversation should go, but you, your team also has a strong sense of how to edit. And the editing is remarkably accurate. I mean, it's just like... Yeah, they're doing really a great job. Blake's through. right here, and and Margot also. Thumbs up. Huh? Yeah, they're doing well. You go back and watch them. I never go back and listen or watch. You know, I go back and watch just to see how you know how it all pieced together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's hard to go back, and when you're always going forward, it's uh, it's hard to go back and and inspect things that have been. Yeah, now I'm just moving forward. But. Um, I went back and looked at it just for the just for the curiosity of how it was all being, you know, assembled. Remarkable. Well, the people that listen to this on audio only are always fascinated by the jangling of your bracelets. Uh, it's not until you you see it on video that you actually understand oh, what's going on. Oh, that's what's going on, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we have a great subject that we're going to dive into today, but before we do that, I want to I want to catch up with you because you you've been on some interesting travels lately. Yeah. Went to the Middle East. We went to the Middle East. We spent um, a week in Abu Dhabi on the, uh, on the coast there of, um, of the UAE mm-hmm. and uh, taught to a group of people that are, you know, change makers in the world. That was um, part of the Tony Robbins thing? Correct. Like his behind the velvet rope, like heavy hitting clients, right? His, uh, his group called the Platinum Partners. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a solid group of people that not only have succeeded on, you know, in three dimensions and in four dimensions, but that are really seeking to succeed in their, in their spiritual life too, mm-hmm. in, their, in their compassionate life, in their love life, in, their, uh, in the world that's beyond that, you know, that world of- Beyond the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beyond your the specialty. Scene. Yay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what does that look like? I mean, what is the practical sort of schedule? Like how do you... Well, we start with yoga at um, either 6.30 or 7 in the morning. And we go through yoga before breakfast. Then we'll all go to breakfast. Um, you know, it was about just under 300 people. Hmm. And Does um, Tony do the yoga? Uh, Tony does his yoga, yeah. Uh-huh. And um, then go to breakfast and then come together for a day of working with Tony and a variety of other um, people. This year, um, everybody was brought into Abu Dhabi. Um, Some years there's been some Skype-ins, you know, with some teachers like Ram Dass Uh from from Maui. Uh, But this year, the people that were to teach and to present uh, all flew in and it was a powerful, powerful wow. gathering. Who were some of the other teachers? Um, a doc, uh, Master Ko, um, and he's 
you know, a lot of work with uh, um, the energy field. He's a Qigong master uh-huh. and other. And then um, also uh, um, a professor of religious studies at, um, at Boston uh, College at BC. And uh, his was uh, just really bringing, you know, the five major religions into a focus and letting everybody see the similarities and differences and historically where that all took place. So that's another topic. He had an incredible medical doctor um, who lives both in uh, Italy and in, um, and in Israel and a, a profound energy worker. Mm. Um, that, uh, and then uh, Byron Katie. Oh, wow. And uh, she, she presented. So it was beautiful. It was, Do you have uh, breakthroughs with some of these people, with the attendees? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the attendees have breakthroughs in morning yoga, in, in, Tony, <laughs> in Tony's uh-huh. um, presentations and in others. Yeah, I mean, breakthroughs right and left, you know? Right. Well, speaking of breakthroughs, the subject that we kind of discussed diving into today, I'm very excited about. I think it's an important one. I think it's relevant to a lot of people, if not everybody on some level, which is this idea of how to be true to oneself in a world that values conformity. I personally have quite a bit of experience with this. (laughs) And I think we could probably talk about this for many hours. Yeah, we could because Confucius had a, a had a favorite saying, and that is that the tallest tree in the forest catches the most wind. Every other tree just thinks it's calm. And so when we're living in a world of psycho-emotional wind in the form of judgment, in the form of inspection and observation, you know, people like to hide down in the forest because it allows them to be less of that outstanding self. And they don't catch as much attention, wind, as Confucius said. Well, not only do they want to avoid that wind, there's a lot of external pressure, whether it be familial or professional, uh, to, to, to hide in that way, to conform. You know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of, we, we, I feel like we speak out of two sides of our mouth. On the one hand, we're saying be different, you know, like the Apple <laughs> advertising campaign. But in truth, I think we're just giving lip service to that because most of the energy uh, goes into trying to make sure that we conform to a certain sort of preordained set of behaviors, rules, professions. And anytime anybody steps just a little bit outside of that, there's a lot of energy that goes into saying not so fast, get in line. Yeah. There's a couple of pieces of that too. And there's there's the 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 familial piece that you spoke of. And that, you know, goes back through the generations. Um, What did the family find convenient, comfortable? Uh, which is conforming. Because if you are too different, then you will be judged, you will be analyzed, you will be investigated, inspected, all of those things which feel uncomfortable. But the other piece of that is also that there's a thing called a fraud factor. 
in evolution, and you know, anthropologists have studied this for a long time, and it takes place in all of the species. And the fraud factor is that if you if you change too much too quickly, it's considered a mutation, and that gets struck down by this psycho-emotional fraud factor. You feel you feel like uh, you feel like a fraud. You feel mm-hmm. like a fake, and um, so that evolutionary thing has kept the species from accelerating too quickly because, you know, in some species, if the, if the offspring were too different than the parenting generation, the parents wouldn't recognize them and th- therefore wouldn't take care of them. Right, would reject the offspring. Would reject. It's like a rejection of, a, of an organ inside your body. I mean, it all in microcosm and macrocosm is the same event. But you can also see that this fraud, this sense of feeling like one is a fraud can also blossom in somebody who yeah. is trying to, con- who's doing their best to conform, even though deep down in their unconscious mind, they know they're living the wrong life for themselves. Yeah, I'm thinking, so are you a fraud to the culture or society in which you live? Or are, what you're saying is, are you a fraud to yourself? Exactly. Yay. Yeah, I like that because, and that's, that's those, uh, uh, you know, quote, crises moments that take place in our lives when, as you were saying earlier, when we were just talking before uh, going on mic, that, you know, you just couldn't do it anymore. Right. You couldn't reconcile the vast difference between what you were passionate about and what you were doing every day. Yeah, I mean, that's why this subject matter is so personal for me because I was somebody who tried very hard to conform. I did everything that I could to be that person I was expected to be or that I intuited I was meant to be. You and I came to the same place from two opposite directions, keep going. Right, yeah, so... (laughs) <laughs> you know, I was the good boy who was studying hard to get the good grades, to get into the good college, to get into the grad school. But my my vision was very um, uh, focused on just what was in front of me to do next on this habit trail of success and progression in the context of our Western developed world capitalistic society that prioritizes security and upward mobility and respectability above everything else. And I did my best to play this game and I feel like I was successful in playing that game. And it took some serious crises (laughs) in my life for me to step outside of that and reckon with it. You know, I feel like I have, um, if I have a talent, it's the ability to suffer and to endure to yeah. outlast somebody else. Good, and I could do that for, as an athlete, but I can do that. Yeah, but it's also, I could do that emotionally too. So right. even though early on I realized like, hey, this lawyer thing or this law school thing probably isn't for me, I could will myself through it. Yeah. Even though I knew I was wearing the wrong pair of shoes and wearing the wrong pair of glasses. Um, and I really had to get my knees capped in order to make some changes. It took that for me. So I think kind of extrapolating out of that, this is, some, this is, this is something that I think people experience on a spectrum, right? To, to a matter of degrees. Um, on the very far end, there are people who are fully expressed in their own unique blueprint, right. somebody like yourself. 
On the very other end, there are people who are extremely repressed, who feel like they're, who know they're living somebody else's life or, or who are so disconnected from themselves that they have no conscious awareness of that. Which is a, an important thing to put on there, a numbness. In order to survive. In order to continue, yes, right. to survive. And then you in the middle, to, just to finish this thought, yay. in the middle is, is probably the more typical person who's kind of going about their day to day, their job isn't that great, but it's not so terrible that they're gonna do anything about it. They wish they had made this left turn or that right turn along the way, but they didn't and everything's okay. They got a roof over the head, they can pay their bills just barely. And hey, you know, maybe in the next life. And there's a settling that occurs with that. And I think that's the real tragedy and where I'd like to kind of focus this discussion. So the person in the middle, think of it as a middle child, right? That uh, doesn't go to either extreme, doesn't get completely wiped out by, the con- by conforming, mm-hmm. but also doesn't test themselves to see how far they can go. You used a word will. You said you willed your way through it. It's an interesting um, mechanism, will, and willingness, and willpower. It's an effort that comes from the chest. It's an effort that comes from the heart center. It's willingness and, and the willful uh, implementation of your desires does not come from a thought process. It comes from an emoting process that you actually have that will. That's why if people, if two athletes are the same and one exceeds the other one, they say they put their heart into it, right? Because on paper they were they were matched up very well. Those that live in the center, you know, that's one of the most um, agonizing places to be. I mean, I was in the center because of the Vietnam War. I was trying to stay inside of something called college, which, mm-hmm. you know, my passion was music. And it was uh, not until I had a health crisis. Uh, and went through a process that took me out of school that I had to go through the ordeal of proving to the draft that they had no want or desire for me in any way, shape, or form, and then I was free. But um, there are often those extenuating circumstances that people have built up, like you said, meeting their mortgage, their car payments, barely, or even successfully, those extenuating circumstances that life builds up. You need a shelter, you need a place to live, you need transportation, you need a car, you need food, you need clothing, you need all of these things which cost. And then you have to build up that cost. The, uh, the agrarian time, we were quite unique. But over the last three or 400 years in the industrial times is when we become very conforming. Think about when you were, uh, oh, you, you were talking about your high school, your prep school, you said suit and tie mm-hmm. or coat and tie. Uh, you know, the tie comes from uh, the slave days. I mean, I'm talking way back in the Roman slaves. Um, you had this steel collar, iron collar around your neck, and you had this chain that um, went down to your belt, which was a piece of rope, and that, that 
chain that went down to your belt would be hooked to that rope during the day, and then at night that chain would be attached to the rod that held everyone in bed. And that's why they called it a tie, because it tied you to the job. You think about all How did that morph into the modern-day version of the tie? It's kind of poetically beautiful, though. Isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, the bottom line is, is that it morphed into there was dress codes to show your allegiance, to show your dedication and your devotion, not even that, to the company. I mean, it's not so much now. There's a big movement away from ties, but this is what got everybody into that. It was your parents' generation. It was my parents' generation, even though I think I'm more like your... I'm more in age, <laughs> your parents. I, am, I feel like your child, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I do not... <laughs> I do not feel anything near what I am in age. But um, that tie was, uh, was part of the dress code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, in thinking about agrarian times, I would imagine the opportunities for individualistic expression were probably pretty limited. Like if you grew up in a farming family, you were gonna be a farmer and there weren't a lot of options. Now we have you know, an unlimited number of options and opportunities for young people. Just the awareness of what's possible is now at everybody's fingertips because of the computing age that we live in. Um, And yet at the same time, there is this pressure to adhere to a certain set of standards in terms of what's acceptable to do and pursue and what isn't. You know, I agree. And the agrarian times before the industrial times, just imagine everyone was an entrepreneur. Everyone worked for themselves for the most part, right? You had your crops, you planted them in your own way. You, you planted them in relation to the moon. You were very much attuned to some of those things which people have completely lost sight of now. But your clothes... You know, whether you wore a bandana or you wore a hat or what kind of hat, was it straw, was it leather, was it cloth? You know, everybody was very individualized. There was, a, there was yes, you were a farmer and you were raised by farmers and you were going to give birth to farmers, but what, were you, what are you going to raise and how are you going to do it and, and all of those other things which in the world of today's industrial condition... We may feel like we have a lot of options, but we boil ourselves down to trying to be like so that we won't stand out. As we were saying, that middle, that middle group that's mm-hmm. neither at, at neither extreme, they are, on a, they are on a progression towards individuality in most instances. And that's why in some cases, that's where the greatest agony is. Because as they are still trying to fit in, like in your world, what you were describing, as they're still trying to fit in, they know full well that there's no way that they're passionate about doing so. They've developed enough awareness that they've slid from being completely numb to being aware enough to feel the discomfort. Yeah, that's the most painful that place is to the be. Pain. And it's the pain of birth, mm-hmm. you know, being born into yourself the bottom line of, of, what do they call it, midlife crisis? that doesn't really happen at the middle of life. It can happen at any point. But all of a sudden, in that crisis, the person just starts blaming their surroundings for having held them into this place that they don't want to be. And the crisis is to use anger or whatever they can do 
to break out of, to have a breakthrough. Yeah, or victimhood. Good, yeah, and stay in it through victimhood. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. Meditation has been a recurring theme on this podcast, dating back to its beginnings. And in conversation always leads people to asking me about the best way to begin. There are no shortage of modalities of resources and apps available. I have experience with many of them, but my mainstay, I have to say, the one that I have found most useful is waking up. It's this unique treasure trove of wisdom that has become so important to my daily routine that the app finds itself right in the dock of my phone for immediate fingertip access. Beyond its robust catalog of daily meditations, it's also this extraordinary library of mindfulness resources that go well beyond the strictures of meditation with courses on stoicism, cognitive behavioral therapy, time management, procrastination, as well as thoughtful conversations with leading scholars on everything from psychedelics to happiness. It really is one of the most worthy investments you can make in yourself. And listeners of the show can get 30 days to try waking up for free. Plus, you'll save $30 on the in-app price. If price is a concern, waking up offers the app for free, astonishingly for anyone who can't afford it. You can find the links on their website to get a full scholarship right now. Just go to wakingup.com slash richroll to start your free month today. That's wakingup.com slash richroll. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. 
It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. So in order to even get to that middle place though, you have to develop that base level of self-awareness to kind of understand what makes you tick what's uniquely you, what is it that you would like to more fully express, who is the person you would imagine yourself to be in a best case scenario. But just to get to that point requires a level of heart connection, I would imagine, Mm. Um, just to initiate that process out of the haze, uh, you know, the, the, the waking daydream of just existence and following the commands of, society. You know, people have many different ways. Children breaking out of this will oftentimes have a pet that gets them out, a dog or a cat or something in which they could truly be themselves. I was interested in your story because when you were, when you went into prep school, you said that swimming is what pulled you out because all of these things that cause sports that cause us to breathe particularly things like running and swimming and bicycling that cause us to breathe deeply and consistently, that'll get us out because that is a heart-centered event, right? The two lungs that surround the heart. So go into a little bit of that. What happened to you in swimming? Yeah, I, I very much felt out of place in this school and was confused about who I was and what I wanted to be. I knew that this academic institution was not an ideal situation for me. I didn't fit in. I was a sensitive kid in a very kind of alpha male, lacrosse and football focused situation. Helmets and face masks. There was a lot of that, you know, (laughs) all boys school. I got an amazing education, you know, so I I don't, it's not like, you know, it was terrible, Um, but it just wasn't, it, it didn't fit who I was. Um, and I found swimming and I gravitated towards that. And there was something about that endeavor that fit me like a glove. And a lot of it, I think in retrospect, looking back on that experience, I think I was in a lot of low level emotional pain that was confusing for me. And there was something about the water that Mm. made me feel grounded. When my head was underwater, all Mm. the noise went away. Mm. And it was very simple. It's just put in effort, move forward. And there's a binary kind of linear equation with these workouts where the harder I worked, the better I got. It made sense. Plus you were floating. And at home. You were buoyant and floating, which is an anti-gravity. Yeah, what's interesting, this is a little bit of a tangential aside, but I think it's relevant. Julie, <laughs> Julie said, she's been saying to me, she has this weird um, theory 
that I fall somewhere on the autism spectrum. Which oh, good. I take real issue. I'm like, really? You think so? she's like, no, you're very, you're much more sensitive than you think. I you would take are. that as a compliment. <laughs> so she's like, you're a lot more sensitive than than you think you are. So she's always trying to find ways to help me. And she came across this thing called a gravity blanket. Have you heard of oh, these? Oh yeah, some friends of mine uh, put it on the market, futurism. Oh really? Yeah. So she's like, you should try this gravity blanket. As I, my, my sense, I, what I understand, this could be wrong, was that this blanket, which has weights in it, yeah. basically, it's very heavy. Yeah. It's like those, it's like when you go to a dentist and you're having an x-ray, you know, the, it's the like thing that they put, put on It's like being put in chest. a womb. She, apparent, from what I understand, these were developed for autistic children. Mm-hmm, they were. And when you put them on top of them, they just, they calm down. They feel grounded. They feel like they can relax. She's like, I think you would really like this. And, and we got one. I got one like four days ago. I struggle with sleep. It's always difficult for me to fall asleep unless I'm training super hard, which is why I sleep in a tent. And that's a whole other story. And I got to tell you, I have had the best last seven nights of sleep Yep, since I was a little kid. Like being, she's like, how would that feel to be like, I go, that actually would feel really good. Yeah. So we got it. And I gotta tell you, being under that thing, I feel fantastic. Yep. And I'm having the most restful sleep in recent memories. Since well, I was I'll a put kid. you together with the company. <laughs> I wanna know more about this. So this is like a revelation to yeah. me. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a therapist and an addiction medicine specialist. I said, hey, do you know about these gravity blankets? He's like, dude, I've been on this for you know, a long time. He has one, he's all about it. I was like, I wish I discovered this years ago. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, what is it about this that is making it work so well that's agreeing with me so much? And it's the embrace. He said that a lot of addicts and alcoholics in recovery respond very well to it because there's something about their background um, that was chaotic or emotionally destabilizing where they never felt like they could let their guard down and just relax. This is a 20, for those of you listening, this is a 20 pound blanket that literally hugs every portion of your body against the mattress. Exactly. And what it's doing is it's giving you the womb sensation uh, it's the reason why the native indigenous people would create that papoose, right? It's in biblical times, it's what they called swaddling clothes, where they would wrap the small child right. so that it would be, you know, feel more secured. But it's just taking you back to that mother point in that womb in which everything was taken care of. It's a very yeah. secure sensation. It's an embrace. Yeah, I feel... I can relax, yeah. I can let my guard down. And yeah. so this friend of mine was saying, yes, when you put the blanket on, it allows your sympathetic nervous, it sends signals to your sympathetic nervous system, like it's okay, it's safe. Yeah, you can, and it, you and can it moves you now. into the parasympathetic. Yeah, and it's been amazing. <laughs> and it's made me think about, reflect on other decisions that I've made to kind of create these womb-like environments. Well, I know when I was- You need to be a spokesman when for I was a, Yeah, I know, this sounds like an ad for this I thing. Know, it's not, know, you know, but, uh, but I, um, I recall when I was in high school and I had to study for an exam, I would pull all the blinds down and turn all the lights off in my bedroom and shut the door and just have a desk lamp. Yep. And now I have this container space, my container office. And when we were constructing it, 
Julie's like, don't you want windows? We can put a big window in it. And I was like, no, I don't want any windows. I want no windows. I wanna be able to just seal it and be in my womb. She's like, you gotta have some windows. So we put these little windows on it and now I, I put like a blanket over the windows because I don't want that. I wanna feel like I am in the womb. And I, so I think these are very similar impulses that I have to create an environment that, that is like being swaddled as a baby. My morning practice is done, the portions of it that are just deep, deep meditation are done in a very large walk-in closet in the center of our home that has no wall to the outside, right? And when I shut the door on that walk-in closet, it's pitch black. It's, it's like the Tequatzi in my previous days of, um, in deep Mexico. But the bottom line is, is that those, those cave-like components are very much where we can go back to our seed, right? In, in Sanskrit, it's called bij. When you can go back to that bij in your existence, that seed in your existence where every branch of your life is still possible. And then you can sort of recapitulate, recalculate your life and form new challenges and form new efforts and form new possibilities and form new opportunities. You were talking about how in swimming when you were a child, the water made a lot of sense. Um, I was, I, I started music at the age of five, but performing music in front of people was really challenging for me because, you know, I just wanted to go out there and, you know, out into the music and do it. but. A performance you had to be you had to be right in each moment, right? So that was that was so limiting. So what I did in my uh, middle school and and high school days is I got into acting, where you were literally applauded for being off the map, and that's what allowed me to come back into my music and be able to be that same act on any stage, mm -hmm. which then allowed me to come back into my life and basically say, to heck with conformity to the nth degree and be able to do that. So you used water and I used just a, I used a volcano. So you used the element of water and I used the element of fire. Yeah, well, I think you're, that's beautiful. I think your, your trajectory towards nonconformity, I don't like that that's a negative. Uh, to individual, individual, individualized expression uh, was, a, was a little less circuitous, took me a little bit longer. But you're somebody who cuts a very unique, you know, uh, image, right? Like when you walk down the street, like you don't look like everyone else. Yeah, and I, right? don't, I don't even notice, I don't notice <laughs> don't it anymore. Like, I, yeah. I blend Do in. Do people give you a I'm hard time? No. No, not at no. all. Like when you're traveling or anything like that. No, when you went to the Middle East, when you're in airports and yeah, stuff. No, it's no. like it's like I am so at ease with who I am that I don't know that I'm different than you. Uh -huh. And the fact that you're, if 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 I don't know to the nth degree that I'm different than other people, then there's a sensation of connection, and I think feel people threatened. feel it. Yeah. I think people feel it. People feel, oh, he's really weird, but he's really connected. He's kind of harmless, you know? He's like, <laughs> he's not, we don't need to hassle him, you know? And so, yeah, no, it's rare. It's rare that my wife and I actually have any kind of um, 
imposition mm-hmm. pushed upon us because of the way we are. Right. I mean, I've heard people say that when when I when they arrived and I arrived at a particular setting, like for example, um, the ones that we just did in Abu Dhabi. Um, you know, they say, oh my God, what have we gotten ourselves into here? And then after, a, after the first encounter, they go, oh, this is cool. Right. Because- You have all these like high powered business people who are- Yeah. Who, <laughs> that you're in front of and they're like, what's this guy gonna tell me? Yeah. And all of a sudden they realize that I'm talking to them like their own psycho-emotional consciousness talks to them when it's friendly. The idea that uh, the middle, the middle patch of that conformity, non-conformity of the individualization and the non-individualized, that middle path being the one of agony, you know, those are oftentimes the ones that are most driven, and and tend to succeed also because the agony is something that they're running from, and so maybe it's if I do more of this, I'll have it. Maybe if I achieve more of this, I'll, be, I'll get away from it. And so it's a stimulant. So it's not just a, it's not a negative in total. It's, it's, it's got a lot of positives as well. That agony, you know, growth through pain. Mm-hmm. Obviously you practice that on a day, week, month basis, right? Yeah, but I mean, this journey to, to you know, self-actualization can be forged through pain. It doesn't have to be. No, it doesn't. And I feel like somebody, who is in their full expression is an individual we generally celebrate. Like once somebody's, you know, at the fruition of that experience and they're fully expressed and they're in their creative flow or they're doing whatever they're doing and they are who they are, even if they're completely off the map from that conformist idea of what a person is supposed to look like, we do as a culture tend to celebrate those people as, inspirational or aspirational. The challenge or the difficulty comes in the early phases of that journey for that person, when they're just starting to step outside the boundaries a little bit, right? They haven't fully developed yet to the place where we can celebrate all their unique glory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's those early phases where it's easy to swat somebody down and say, not so fast, come on, get back in line. You know, this is, these are the people that, in many instances, that are listening to your podcast, that are listening to this broadcast. Not, not all, but so, a, a good portion. And the bottom line for those people is that they should understand what you just said. If you're gonna step out, you're gonna have to expect the pushback, right? In a material space, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And they should actually gauge their progression by the amount of pushback right. that they're receiving. They could use that. But it takes courage and oh, it, it takes fortitude and, and it takes a, a real sense, like it's very, that's a very fragile state for it most is. people. It and is. that's why it's so easily quashed because you'll second guess that impulse that's driving you to do something a little bit different because everybody around you is telling you it's a bad idea. You just use the word courage, right? Which is cour is French for heart. Hmm? Age is French for time. So courage is a time of the heart. This getting into your heart, that's what the that's what the opposition and that's what the SWAT down is all about. It's forcing you, if you're gonna come up with courage, 
It's forcing you to get into your heart. And then it's in your heart, which is non-linear, non-logical, non-language oriented, just tonton, tonton, tonton. That's when you can really become that person that you're going to be. So all of these things, like, you know, you dam a river and it rises to the occasion and flows over the top. That's the nature of evolution because evolution touches us in the same way, creates a crisis. The crisis needs a solution. Solutions are tried and tried and tried and finally something works and we move forward in evolution. Just like what's happening in the world at large, in the macrocosm. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Well, I truly believe that, that every person has a unique blueprint and yeah, yeah. it's our job to bring expression to that. <clears throat> and that doesn't mean, I've said this many times before, it doesn't mean you're gonna be a world record holding athlete. You're not gonna necessarily play in the NBA or be a rock star or you know be a YouTuber or whatever, whatever it is. Or play the violin yeah, d- well. It, exactly, but there is something unique to you, something that gets you excited when you wake up in the morning. Generally, it's something that you experienced as a young child that suddenly that got kind of erased along the mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. on this gestalt towards conformed along the way, yeah, conformed to normal. And I find it imperative that people find a means to bring voice to that spark, to that impulse. And it doesn't mean that you quit your job overnight and reorganize your life on a dime. 
But I don't believe that you can be fully expressed and actualized if you're repressing any of those instincts to engage in something that brings you joy. There was a time in my life that I wanted to change something really important. It was, it was vital that I make this change. And I gave myself a five-year plan. I, com- I succeeded wow. and completed in three years. So I, What was that? I mean, it was just that I was going to come out of this work that I was doing, and which was I was doing to supplement the teaching. I was doing to supplement the music, right? And I was going to just go all in teaching. And I gave myself a five-year plan. And in three years, all I was doing was just teaching and playing music. And it's, I think, essential that when you said just a moment ago, you're not, it's not that you're going to turn on a dime. I think it's essential that we, ex- that we explain you from your examples, me from mine, what that means. What does that mean to set a goal so that it's not so close that you don't have enough runway and then we'll you know, suffer the disappointments and the setbacks? And it's also not so dream time that there's no pragmatics, there's no mm-hmm. things that you're measuring along the way. So how do we do that? Well, how did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> Very messily. <laughs> you know? Well, that's an important component, right? <clears throat> for the people that are listening and watching, for us to say, you're going to be a mess and you're going to get embarrassed and you're going to make mistakes. And that's the steps about opening up that which is unknown to you in the world of growth and progress. And so, you know, we get to a place and we go through school and everything is based on getting it right. But if we're gonna do what I did and what you say is a less circuitous way, um, and there go my jangles and my bangles, um, and you did, but as we, were, as we were being ignited to make that move, we had been involved in a programming through school to get it right, get it right, get it right. So some of the pain was just the, the natural pain of getting so many things wrong. When you decided to go out, be yourself, do your own thing, because like you said earlier, you know, every single one of us is completely unique. Unique fingerprints, unique eye print, unique voice print, unique DNA print. And so if we're really going to be ourself and not conform, then we're going to be unique and we have to go there gradually so that we don't get so much pushback on our uniqueness that we get squashed. Yeah, I think that's wise um, counsel just to kind of play this out um, in an example. So let's say violin is your thing. You played violin as a I kid. I did. Did you? Yeah. All right, so this is a real world. It's the worst real world sound, example. As you're starting, <laughs> you sound worse than any other yeah. instrument in the world. Um, as a kid, you loved it, but then along the way, it's like, no, time to you know get on the path like everyone else. It falls by the wayside. You find yourself 20 years later, with this impulse to reconnect with that. You're with the violin you're, in the attic. You're repressing it though, because you don't have time and you gotta pay the bills and all of that. But you finally summon the gumption, the courage to 
pull it out of the closet and start playing it again. I think it's, if you find passion in that and you have the audaciousness to then set a goal, maybe that goal is to be a professional violin player. I mean, that's, you know, uh, uh, that's a very ambitious goal. I think it's just as important to, and, and let me back up, like set that goal and then set stepping stone goals along the way towards achieving that goal. I think it's just as important to sort of place that goal in your unconscious awareness and just fall in love with the impulse that brought it up in the first place, which is that you like playing violin. You just and it doesn't matter whether you become a professional violin player or not, you are committed to making sure that you make time to engage in that on a daily basis. And, and if you're coming from the heart, the core, uh, I believe that the universe will show up with a path or opportunities that will direct you if you're uh, adequately anchored in yourself enough to be aware of those as they arise. Beautiful. You just talked about both sides of the brain because you said, in addition to setting the ultimate outcome and the steps along the way, which would all be using the left rational right. side of the brain, you've got to put it in the unconscious that you have this dream. You've got to put it in the dream time, which is the right creative side of the brain, or at least that is the side of the brain that has a greater access to that unconscious. And, and that is how people, anybody that has ever really succeeded at something really dramatic, whether, it's, whether their success was just enjoying the heck out of something or being noted professionally, they've had to put it in both sides because I believe that that's where a lot of people that are more inclined towards, let's say, spirituality than they are towards formality you know, the, the conditions of form. I think that's where they might also lose track because so much is put into that, into that right creative side, that access to the unconscious, that the stepping stones along the way are neglected. So I would say if your goal is to come out of conformity to whatever degree you want to come out of it, that you need to use both of exactly mm -hmm. what you were just describing. You need to have some stepping stones and an ultimate goal, and you need to activate your dream time brain. Yeah, so that yeah. You, you can work with both the measurements and the visions. Most people are better at one than the other. I agree, you need both, but it's why you know musicians need managers, you know, to it's, organize their it, it, life for them, so they, they can do their creative music. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And it's why accountants need some kind of muse to counterbalance. One that. time, Dizzy Gillespie, I think it was Dizzy, was asked if he could read sheet music. And he said, yeah, but not well enough to spoil my style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, the most successful have a, have a healthy combination of those two things. But I really believe that if it is what you're truly meant to be pursuing or engaged in, that it shouldn't matter because it is the process and the journey. It is the experience of the doing that is far more important than whatever destination you're, you're driving towards. 
So in other words, we put the GPS system in the unconscious and just let it play out in the background. And if we completely get off course, it will beep or set off a yeah, siren. I guess. If you're paying attention, those bumpers you know, will, will become apparent. And then going in your inspiration, right? In spirit, inspired, uh, you'll be just naturally intuitively guided. But what about the person who is listening to this or watching this and they're so stuck in their current situation and so disconnected that they don't know the first step. Like, I don't know, like all I know is, it, is that I'm settling in my life. I'm in a job that's okay, it's not great, it's not what I thought I was gonna do, but you know, I can, I can do it and it's fine. And they're just in this semi-numbed out state. They know that perhaps their life could be a lot better. They know that they're not maximizing their potential. But what they don't know is what that thing is that's gonna get them excited. How do you begin to unravel that knot for somebody? I love that. It's like the Chinese finger trap. The harder you pull, the harder you're stuck. The person that is so in that malaise that they don't even know the first step needs to go before the first step and then before that. And the movement inside of them really can only happen in breathing. So very practically, I would have them sit down and set aside five minutes. Every single day, start with five minutes. After a month, increase it to 10. After a month, increase it to 15. And in that five minutes, just sit, be aware that you are breathing, and be breathing diaphragmatically, like the proper way that we breathe when we're exerting in any kind of effort, great effort that the belly goes out as you inhale and the belly comes in and the shoulders remain relaxed. And ultimately what's happening is that you're massaging the diaphragm. You're getting a lot of engorgement in the heart center, in the heart cavity. And all of a sudden you're oxygenating your blood and brain more. And you're doing nothing except breathing. And things will come to you. So that like that finger trap, the Chinese finger trap, you're not pulling hard, but you're sliding out. You're sliding out of being stuck. That's how I have found people to be the most successful. But it means setting aside five minutes. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got five minutes. Everybody's got five. Yeah. And I think when you, when you do that over time, you do start to develop a deeper heart connection and your awareness starts to blossom. And I think it's important when those impulses start to arise, like you have a flash of inspiration, something out of the blue to write it down or take it seriously because the impulse, the kind of built in reaction to that is to dismiss it because yep. it's anathema to whatever life, like we, we have this you know, habit that we've developed over many, many years of 
sloughing off those kinds of things when they arise because they don't comport with the trajectory that you're on. Mm. And people should remember the pushback because even when you're celebrating your uniqueness and you have found a degree of success, there will be moments along the way in which you're going to hit a rut. You're going to get pushback. You're going to get opposition. And nobody likes it. But you've got to remember that that early stage of pushback is getting you accustomed to that. And once you're accustomed to it, you figure out a way of overcoming it. In other words, when things keep blocking you, they're a good teacher because they're giving you a consistent opportunity to learn the lesson of how to get through the blockages. I think it's also important to understand that the reason people don't like it has nothing to do with you. Correct. Right? It's, it's basically one of two things, um, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this. It's either uh, because they're projecting this idea that they have of you onto you, and the minute you don't conform to that image, it's threatening to them. It doesn't fit their mold of who this person is that they think you are and are supposed to be, which has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. And secondly, it can be threatening, especially the further down the line you are, because if you start to blossom and flourish in a new and different way that they were originally not very excited about, that is proof positive that somebody can change their life and do something different. And that's threatening to somebody who is perhaps not as self-expressed as you are in that moment of time. And it's reminding them that they too could make some changes. And that's very frightening. Uh, And what we have to remember is that that which we are trying to hide by conforming by striving to be normal is ultimately only hidden from ourself or not. I went to my 20th high school reunion many years ago. And oh, I looked have been hilarious. And I looked just like I look now. Uh-huh. My beard was darker, but I looked just like I look now. And people would come up to me and say, I knew you'd end up like this. Because the reality is, is that that which you're trying to hide, people know about it. And so if you would feel a little more comfortable, take a little more risk and step into yourself, people would, to a degree, applaud it, to a degree, feel threatened by it, and to another degree, feel like it's too much. Mm -hmm. What is it they say? What is the journey from being not enough to being too much? I don't know, what do they say? Well, the bottom line is is that when you're not being you, you feel like you're not enough, so that's a stimulant. Right. And ultimately, when you're really being you, people say you're full of yourself, you're too much. Uh-huh. And so you have to be able to, as you were saying just a moment ago, the idea of it's not about you. When people are opposing you, it's not about you. It's about what they're seeing. Imagine in today's world the bigotry that's coming up. All of this is a genetic bigotry. This is a DNA, seeing something that is different than I, what, what I am. This is why this whole race thing, and there is no such thing as race. There's paint jobs. 
There's no such thing. We're, we're the human race. We're not anything with, we're no race within the human race. And the idea that our DNA is noticing a difference. So what are you controlled by? Are you controlled by your physical body or are you controlled by your soul spirit? And the more that you're controlled by your soul spirit, the less you will see the differences as being meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so you will be very encouraging to those who want to become their uniqueness because them being their uniqueness is just like you. But on the reverse side, those that are feeling trapped in their physical environments are also feeling trapped in their own DNA. Well, my experience is that people who are fully expressed and self-actualized or more so than most people, they are people who are very generous of heart because they feel good in their own bodies. They know that they're living their lives in a manner that's consistent with their deepest values. And so other people don't pose a threat to that. It's only when there's dissonance in how you're living between your lifestyle and your values or this person you wish you could be or think that you should be, but you're not, that other people being fully expressed pose a threat. It creates this zero sum game perspective. You don't like seeing people fully expressed because you know that you're not. Mm -hmm. When you were talking, I was thinking that zero sum, the universe is not a zero sum environment. And that zero sum of that which gains must equal that which loses is an interesting attitude that is very much an industrial attitude. Imagine a farmer who thinks that every amount of gain through the growth of his crop means that he's gonna lose something. So in the agrarian times, when we were more natural thinking of plant-based foods, right? A plant-based condition is not a zero-sum game. An animal-based diet is a zero-sum game. A flesh-based diet is a zero-sum game. And so if we were to think of ourselves in breaking out of conformity, Mm because conformity is a zero-sum game. Conformity means that everything is equal and we're just sitting inside of that equality. But if we break out, we have to also break away from that zero-sum ideology. We have to become that which is more prosperous, pro-spirit, prosperous. We have to become that which is abundant. You, in your running and in your swimming and in your bicycling, if it was a zero-sum game, you'd collapse after a certain number of miles. But the fact that you have this incredible energy to push you through those painful moments is the same thing that we have to be expressing when in our lives we're striving to become not normal, not conformed, but our unique self. Because we hit those walls like we hit, I remember hitting a wall once back when I was running a lot. Hmm. You hit them you all the time. Yeah. Did you? Our daughter and uh-huh. our son, super athletes. Yeah, now that I knew. Yeah, that but knew. the bottom line is that you hit them a lot and they are, they are the consolidation of all of your agonies in that moment. 
I think it's important to point out that it's it's a hard journey. Yeah. You know, I've called it the warrior's path. Like it's not easy. Nonconformity. Like and and I think, you know, kind of thinking about you being at your at your high school reunion <laughs> and people saying, Yeah, of course, like I always knew, you know, people yeah. look at me and they're like, Yeah, I always knew you'd do something a little bit off, you know, kilter yeah. or whatever. Well, I was like, Well, where were you, you know, back when I was and they weren't, nobody was saying that then. When you were in your agony. Yeah, so it requires that level of deep seeking, whether it begins with the breath, like you said, meditation, yoga, physical exercise, journaling. I mean, I started, That's... for me, this started when, back in like 1998, when I started doing breath exercises and I started journaling. And if I was to go back and read my journals from 1998, when I was doing morning pages in the artist way from 1998 through 2005, you know, like most of them are are about how I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what I want to do or be, like time and again and again and again, but just consistently Beautiful. showing up for that. This doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. People look at it now and they're like, "Look at you, Guru Singh. You get to teach and you do all these things and you go to Abu Dhabi and you're fully expressed and you can." You can just rock these crazy outfits and everybody loves it. And it's like, how does, how does this happen? You know, or how, Rich, how do you go from, you know, being this person who was unhappy to doing something that's fulfilling and getting to connect with people all over the world through the podcast and the books and things like that? You know, I don't have a pat five-step answer to that. It took me essentially 20 years to like figure this out. But you have to plant those seeds. You have to invest in yourself. You have to fertilize that soil and just perpetually keep showing up for it. Even if you're seeing no results. Going between inspiration and desperation. That's what I would say to people. Desperation being the pain of that push and pull that goes on the agony. And the inspiration, that thing which wakes you up and gets you excited about moving forward with your day. I can remember moments of desperation. I can remember moments of inspiration. And I know that walking in between the two and never getting, that's the middle path that the Buddha talked about. Never getting distracted or overly attracted to either one. See, I look at you and I think, well, this guy just knew who he was from the minute. Yeah, right. From the first minute, right? And just was like, this oh is who I'm going to be, like let's, it or not, man. Let's, yeah, let's shatter that <laughs> yeah. myth because if we go forward with that myth, then I am worthless as far as my ability to reach and teach because if people think, well, good for him because he was born that way. Yeah, I was born you know, in a, in a very special family. But I'll tell you, my agonies came from inside and outside just like everybody else's. And so, yeah, shatter the myths of, you know, the hero always sat on top of the pedestal because it's just not true. It's not true with any of the great prophets and messiahs of the world. The Buddha, the Christ, Jesus, Muhammad, Zoroaster, Moses, Abraham, all of them. I mean, the patent stories, the marketing stories are that, you know, the one and only and always was and from the moment of birth, you know, nonsense, nonsense. Forge, we all have to pain. go through the pain. Mm -hmm. Pain is a great teacher. Whoa. And so is inspiration. Yeah. But if we don't 
If we're not willing to go through the pain, then we'll always become less than and less than and less than until we die. And then all we feel in the moment of death is just the incredible agony of, I could have. Yeah, it's not about avoiding the pain. It's about trying to figure out what the message and the opportunity is Mm. within the pain. Mm. How beautiful. Do Do you ever look back on your career I'm sure people have said to you, like, why didn't you just become a rock star? Like you had a moment where you were kicking it with Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and And you had this record deal and the dead and you were all positioned to go on this certain, you know, skyward trajectory towards musical fame. Yeah, and all my friends are dead. (laughs) They're all dead, (laughs) right. But you could have burned in, you know, infamy forever, right? Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking about that because as I was driving out here today, I'm driving through a neighborhood that was very much a part of that moment in my life, right? Early 20s. And not the neighborhood of a small neighborhood. I mean, just the, you know, the valley and what have you and the hills and, but, and and I'm thinking back in time and I'm thinking, wow, how blessed to have had the hardships the change of directions, the challenges and all of those things that took me away from the trajectory of just being another great, you know, musician. Hmm. So when you were in that situation and had to make that decision, how did you know that you were making the right choice? I wasn't making a choice. Yeah. It's interesting you say when I was making that decision, the decision that I was making was to become safe. Because if you read my book, Buried Treasures, you find that at a certain point, my trajectory, even within the, you know, the, the conformity of a record deal and corporate you know, musical promotion, et cetera, there was a, a lot of pressure on me to get even more silenced, get it even more conformed. And because it just wouldn't work inside of me because I couldn't play and write in that genre, you know, boy meets girl and everything's cool. And, yeah. you know, like it just didn't work for me, right? I left that to other artists um, that the pressure coming down on me um, did exactly what had happened to you when you were trying to be a lawyer. Uh, The pressure coming down on you was from the inside, just like a volcano erupting from inside. And I I, I couldn't take it anymore. So I just, I I basically ran away from the structure and pursued my music in a way that was, you know, less confining. Right. And here you are today. And here I am today. And here you are today. All right, well, let's, uh, let's wrap this Guru Corner session up with a song. You brought your guitar. I did. You? I thought I would play a, a version of um, this uh, song that I recorded with uh, a, a group. Exactly. 
let your good times roll I am who I am Exactly who I am I am who I am Exactly who I am Yeah, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Always a pleasure, my friend. Love you, man. Love you, too. So if you're digging on Guru Singh, uh, you can find him on the internet at Guru Singh Yogi. You should read his book, Buried Treasures, and uh, soon to be back on the podcast. And if you're in Los Angeles, go to Yoga West and experience his Kundalini yoga class in person. Which is um, a combination of all that Rich and I have been talking about. That's right. All right, so I have a feeling I'm gonna see you again soon. But until then, peace, plants, namaste. <laughs> Sadna. Sadna. Beautiful man, that Guru Singh. I love it. Can't wait to have him back on again. I'm always a better human after spending time uh, with that lovely gentleman. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Let him know how this one landed for you. You can hit Guru Singh up on Instagram at Guru Singh Yogi or on Twitter at Guru Singh. Visit him online at gurusingh.com. If you happen to be in Los Angeles, please make a point of checking out one of his amazing kundalini yoga classes at Yoga West. Uh, and you can find all of that, the schedule and all that kind of stuff online. Uh, again, if you're looking for a nutritional guidance, check out our meal planner at meals.richroll.com. A plentitude, a bounty of amazing, delicious, nutritious, easy to prepare, totally customized plant-based recipes, all designed to help you get as healthy and as fit as possible in 2019. And it's affordable, just $1.90 a week when you sign up for a year. So again, meals.richroll.com or click on the meal planner on the top menu on my website. If you'd like to support our work that we collectively do here on the podcast, there are a couple ways to do just that. Tell your friends, about your favorite episode. Take a screen grab on your phone of what you're listening to and share it on your favorite social media platform. Uh, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We're now on Spotify. I'm trying to build the audience there, so subscribe there. Uh, YouTube, as you guys know, we're now sharing all of these conversations filmed on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash ritual. So subscribe there, that would be huge. We're also on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, basically everywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that's helpful. And you can also support the show on Patreon at richroll.com forward slash donate. I wanna thank, as I do always, everybody who helped put on the show uh, today because I certainly do not do this alone. Jason Camiolo for production, audio engineering, show notes, interstitial music. He's doing more and more and more. I'm giving him more obligations on this show. He's doing a great job, so give him a shout out at Jason Camiolo on Twitter. Blake Curtis and Margot Lubin for videoing and editing the show. Jessica Miranda for graphics. DK for production, behind the scenes stuff, advertiser relationships, and theme music as always by Analemma. Thanks for the love you guys. See you back here next week with another great episode. Who's up next week? Let me check, hold on. Oh, it's Damian Mander. That is an amazing episode. What an incredible human being. Uh, Ex-Special Forces, Australian Special Forces guy, who now is combating uh, 
poaching efforts in Africa and making great headways. His story is incredible. His TED Talk is amazing. Just Google Damian Mander TED Talk. Watch that in preparation for next week. And that's going to go up uh, next Monday night or Tuesday morning, depending on where you live. So until then, be well, love widely, take that mask off, be your most beautiful, authentic self, and uh, share your gifts with the world. All right, peace, plants. Yeah.